Welcome back to your pilgrimage with Abraham. I'm your brother Paul, guiding you back in history on the journey of faith. This episode is for all the younger listeners. It may surprise you all to learn that more people are listening to this podcast and on the website under the age of 35 than any other age group. I do hold out a lot of hope in the younger generation because they are the first generation of Aquarians. So to all you young people out there, I know you will relate to this episode. Spread the word and kindle that flame of faith. If you are just joining us on this pilgrimage, you may wish to start at the beginning. You can search for Abraham, Father of Faith on Spotify, or go to the website at www.pilgrimshub.com. You must first recall that all of this is being written down hundreds of years after the events, so it is easy for the author to construct a text that conveys a message. So to all those who take the Bible literally word by word... Who asked Abraham about his vision and how did that story remain intact word for word when Moses writes it down? The simple answer is it didn't. So many of the events are constructed in a way to convey a secret meaning. Jesus does the same. He used parables. It is simply the way the Jewish writers write, but for authors to construct a story, they do need some facts to think that the writers constructed a race called the Nephilim out of thin air is also a mistake. Mythology is not about creating something new, rather it is based on something real. And guys, this is why I hold so much hope for your generation, because unfortunately my own and those before are indoctrinated. It sounds like intoxicated and asleep in the comfort of our knowledge. Funny that the tree in the Garden of Eden was just that, and that was not fruit you should eat. Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Little children are full of imagination and creativity, and sadly we take it away from them, sending them to school from a very young age to be indoctrinated. You don't learn about God in daycare centres. Oddly, Evil never rests, and you will now be confronted with all manner of sexual preferences and more. I always like to tease kids and parents these days. Just a little, just to get a reaction when they are playing with dinosaurs. Some little boy might show you one and say, Look, it's Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I'll reply, Yeah, it looks like a dragon, doesn't it? Parents or children? Many then claim there is no such thing as dragons, to which I reply, um, actually there is no such thing as dinosaurs. Before you all think I'm wrong, check it out for yourself. Remember, whatever I have told you about words and their meanings, dinosaur as a word started its use in the mid-19th century. But dinosaurs had been around millions of years ago. Maybe that is the case, but the word comes from Latin and before that Greek meaning terrible, denios, lizard, saurus. Most people would think of that as describing a dragon. So if you found dinosaur bones in, say, 600 BC, 
you would think they were from a terrible lizard. The Greeks did have dragons as well, and that is where the real mythology comes in. As I keep saying, open your mind, perceive the truth in the story. What is the writer trying to convey? And then watch how the world will come and try to steal away the meaning and replace it with learning or knowledge. The trip to Egypt was not without its own growth in Abraham's understanding of God's plan. We see too that Abraham is also well off, in fact more so than he was before, but God wants him to only dwell here. It is not his home and he must now venture back to his heartland. Abraham now journeys back up the same path, first to Negev, on to Bethel, to the place where he first built the altar between Bethel and Ai, where he called upon God. Ai means ruin or heap. We now see the predicament that Abraham lived in was the same as our own today. On one side, we have the house of God. On the other side, we have the Canaanite city Ai. The balance we must live between God and the world. We do have to live in the world and work with our fellow brothers and sisters, regardless of what direction their life is taking. But we cannot stray too far into foreign lands. We need to be near the house of God and put that first. Abraham and Lot's men are having a few issues, so they split up. Lot opts for the better farming land towards the Zoar, meaning the place of refuge. Lot pitches his tents near the city Sodom. The city of Sodom is right at the bottom of the Dead Sea. Recall the chakras? Lot is staying in the place of refuge near the city of Sin. Most people think of this sin as sodomy, but all sin of the lower region is really the issue here. It is also worth noting that in the text, the reference to the sin of Sodom is often referenced with the city's unwillingness to look after outsiders and did not welcome newcomers. Instead, they wish to take advantage of them. Constantly living in sin will only make one selfish. And although we may be prosperous, we will neglect our duty towards all others. At this time, a King Sheldarama from Alam, modern Iran, rose up and together formed an alliance. This kingly alliance enables them to defeat the Rephaim, Zuzim, Emin, Horites and Amorites. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and some other regional kings went out to fight them. They were overcome and ran to the hills. Others fell into bitumen pits in the valley of Siddim. The sin of these cities is so depraved, this bitumen just like building a dam, forms a base for the Dead Sea. King Chaldorama and his followers loot the area and in doing so capture Lot and his family and head off. Abraham, we are told, gathers some 318 men and in the night attacks this king's army and rescues Lot. Not likely, given the numbers of the armies he was fighting against. But for some The full story of what happened seems even more improbable.
giants. The Bible itself refers 22 times to giants by name and in six different books. And one of these guys, Og, who was in this battle, took off and found Abraham. He had not been found righteous before the flood, but had his kingdom at the gate of Canaan on one side and Shehon on the other side, another giant. Noah had kept him alive as he rested on top of the ark. This same giant, Og, goes to Abraham in the evening as they are making some unleavened bread. The giant now informs Abraham about Lot and his captivity, with the star of Jupiter shining brightly. This is the eve of the Pascha, or Easter. Abraham's men, under the cover of night, attacked and pursued their armies to the place Havetha. They recovered Lot and his family and all the people with their possessions. Well, I hope you guys remember the Transformers shows. What would Abraham transform into, I wonder? A ram pickup truck, because he's going to need it. 318 is the sum of 12 primes. Okay, the Decepticons are going down. This is an impossible fight. 318 versus five armies, which had previously kicked Nimrod's army. These Decepticons had tried to pull Michael, the archangel, down with them in the past. God had pulled him back. In Jewish legends, Abraham transforms into the height of 70 men and strides four miles at a time, overtakes the kings and with the assistance of an angel smashes them. Better than a ram pickup truck. At times in our lives we are called to do what is right and take a stand against evil, against all odds far outnumbered, we still stand. What does all this really mean? Abraham, we know, has chosen the one true God, rejecting all others. He and his wife have turned their back on all the sinful ways, rooted in their earthly desires, and have settled themselves in the promised land peacefully. But this land God has given them is guarded by two fierce giants. And many kings around this region are in contention for this land. They all want it. Today Israel thinks this is literally itself, but it's not. We have outlined this land using chakras and our spinal column, the River Jordan. Now Abraham going back up near the heart of the land, where he should be, is drawn into war. Evil attacked his only other convert after leaving Ur. Living too close to Sodom, the city of sin, he has been captured. Although very much a pacifist like all sheep, you don't want to get a ram upset. Taking away his only other convert other than his wife, especially when you think that he may be your only heir, is not going to go down well. So the ram goes feral. You don't mess with ruling rams. Like Alexander the Great later on in history, they are strategic and wise and ruthless and blessed by Jupiter in Aries. War is what they're good at. The negative effects of this star sign are dominant, but they just unleashed a prime and the evil, deceiving kings, spreading their false doctrines and not following their hearts, showing compassion and mercy and welcoming strangers, feeding and clothing them, just went down. The king 
of Sodom and the other kings rode out to meet them on the king's race course. Among these kings was King Melchizedek. He was the king of Jerusalem, a Shemite priest, and he brings forth bread and wine. This priestly king ministered to before the god of Eloah, Ilaha. From here we get the first Last Supper symbols, also at Easter. Muslims following this know to whom Melchizedek is referring, and the true meaning of Eloha, Ilaha, you may notice it does sound a little bit like Allah. We already know Abraham has found El. Eloha is the same as El, and it put more emphasis on the oneness of God. Ilaha refers to what is being worshipped. Allah is simply Arabic for God, as is Eloha, and later the Elohim for the plural forms, which later form a trinity, but the Muslim faith keeps solely to the oneness of God. They can call Allah God if they wanted, talking in English, but a bit like spelling God with a small g could mean any pagan god or lesser god, we use a capital G to designate when we mean the one true God. Muslims use the word Allah in a similar way, hence their preference for using it wherever they go. The king Melchizedek blesses Abraham and gave him one-tenth of all the returning people and goods. But King Sodom asked for all the souls or persons and tells him he can keep the possessions for himself. Remember this later. Abraham rejected their offer and only takes a portion of food for his followers to eat and whatever their portion was, they could take it, but he did not want anything of it. Abraham now has a problem because he has slain four kings. He is worried there will be an uprising against him. Abraham, having turned away from sin, is fighting against the causes or root of sin in his own human nature. Anyone that has struggled with alcohol, drug addiction or any addiction will understand it is one thing to stop drinking, but the attack that comes at you later requires superhuman strength to defeat. Thank God, literally, we can call on him and his son Jesus to help us, just as they do in Alcoholics Anonymous. The land these giants owned was, if you looked on a map, on the left-hand side of the promised land. We unfortunately tend to associate good and evil with left and right. It is just an interpretation, not literal. Abraham is worried an attack from these guys he may not be able to withstand. It is very tiring physically and mentally overcoming the root of evil in our lives. Thank you all again for listening. Maybe you can look at all your cartoons and movies, many of which are based on Roman or Greek gods and philosophies, with different eyes. Be aware of the tricks, where they may alter the story. The good guys always win, right? Remember to share with a friend, and God bless.